0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: It is another episode of Unfiltered right here and now. Episode 227 officially. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, 365. Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, artists formerly known as Twitter, X if you will, YouTube as well. Nashville just a few days away. The winter meetings, we get it all hook, line, and sinker from our good friend and uh, frequent guest on the show, which we appreciate. 20 years, I was just realizing, as you're still at MLB.com now again, I mean, when we started working together, and I was just referencing to you before, we're both a little grayer than we used to be, Mark Feinstein. How are you, sir?
0: I'm good. You know, I I thought about it as the reports were coming out about Jackson Churio signing an eight-year contract with the Brewers. (laughs) Um, And I was like, this guy wasn't born i was already in my fourth or fifth year covering baseball and he wasn't born yet and it's you know when i started i was still younger than most of the players that i was covering yeah right that's right as you go along that's not the case uh i believe jeter was the one was the last one when jeter retired i think i was done uh in terms of guys that i was covering uh being being older than me jeter had me by six months and after that, it was like you'd look at the at the roster and, and you'd start seeing guys born, you know, in the 80s. And then you started seeing guys born in the 90s. You're like, oh, my goodness, this is brutal. But yeah, the uh, the gray is certainly starting to, to come in nicely.
1: We're both telling our kids, oh, you'll never believe what it was like. I was just showing my son the Barry Sanders documentary and trying to explain it. I was like, oh, my God. We're we're who we were as kids now as uh, parents. We'll get into all of the winter meetings and board. Nice to steal you away from .com and MLB Network for a moment. We, as always, here on Unfiltered. Let's pay off the sponsors presented by Bet Online, number one source for all your sports betting needs, latest odds, lines, and matchup reports, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, UFC, all your sports. Fastest and easiest way to get your wagers, live betting, casino and card games, all available from your phone, so get over the website now or your mobile device. Get in on the action. Use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben online, where the game starts. And I want to start with something you were first on yesterday, and that's the Luis Severino deal, uh, reportedly one year for $13 million. You covered him f- up front a lot of his career when he was at his heights. I remember... Being in an all-star game where he was sitting there at the turn mark in that lead spot probably for Cy Young. We've seen him as that guy, not that guy as of late, or a guy healthy every five days. What's your take on this deal with the Mets?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good gamble for the Mets. They need to add several starting pitchers this offseason. And uh, you know, as much as they're going to be in the race for Yoshinobu Yamamoto or uh, any of the other top pitchers available, you can't sign all the top guys, right? So you're going to have to roll the dice on a guy or two on a bounce-back year, a one-year deal. Um, you know, Severino, look, you can't sugarcoat it. He had a horrendous year last season, and it wasn't all injuries. It was some injury. It was just a lot of inconsistency. Um, he still got the fastball. He still throws as hard as he ever did. Uh, I think the one thing, if you're a Mets fan, that you have to feel sort of good about your new manager, Carlos Mendoza, knows Severino very well. He's been in the Yankee organization for a long time, he used to manage in the Miners. He's, he's a bench coach there the last few years. So they know what they're getting. This is not going to be a, uh, we're just taking a gamble here. Mendoza must think there's something there uh, that's going to make Severino a candidate for a big bounce back year. And for a one year deal, uh, you know, $13 million is not pennies. But for Steve Cohen, a one-year, thirteen million-dollar deal is not going to be something that prevents him from going after Yamamoto or uh, any of the other top guys on the market.
1: Mark, you look at some of the gambles that have been like this last number of years. Noah Syndergaard comes to mind. Teams have taken flyers on it. Do you think people? When I say people, maybe not people covering the game, but fans sometimes who can underrate a lot of things underrate how big it is for a team to not be tied to term, as they would say, if we were discussing hockey where you're doing a band-aid deal for one year, 13 million may be a little bit much if you're looking at his numbers a year ago, but just how much value is there in the market for teams to be able to sign a one-year deal that if it doesn't go right is off the books, boom, at the end of one season.
0: Absolutely. And in the case of some teams, and obviously the Mets are not going to go into 2024 thinking this way, but in the case of some teams, a one-year deal there's also a possibility of if this guy is a good first half and our team is not having the year we're expecting. Well, there's a trade chip that you can use because teams are always looking to trade for rentals. Um, and you can get something for that. I mean, look at the the one year deal Cody Bellinger signed last year with the Cubs, 17 and a half million dollars coming off of two dreadful seasons. Um, a lot of people said, why would you give Cody Bellinger 17 and a half million dollars? Because it's one year. And they almost had him as a trade chip. Then they got back in the race and decided not to make the trades. Uh, but they certainly were rewarded for their their faith in in signing Bellinger. And if Severino can bounce back and be, let's even say, 80% of what he was at his best, uh, this is going to look like a very smart deal for David Stearns and the Mets.
1: Yeah, and clearly, to your point, we'll see how this plays out in the offseason. They're not looking at him as being a number one or two starter. They're looking at him back in four or five. We'll see where that fits in. Of course, Senga, Quintana and company right now locked in there. You mentioned Bellinger. Let's go there next. Obviously, we know Cody's got the tie with his dad playing in New York. We also know that the Yankees clearly seem to be a fit in terms of need and a number of other things. How much are the Yankees in front as far as leaders in the pack in this Bellinger situation as we stand now? Do you think heading into winter meetings, Mark?
0: I don't know that I would say they're the leaders. I think they're more focused on Juan Soto than Cody Bellinger. And if I was them, I would be too. Um, you know, if you're going to spend two hundred million dollars on Cody Bellinger, or you're going to trade some prospects get Juan Soto, and I have to give him four hundred million eventually, but Juan Soto's twenty five; he's never had the kind of down years that Bellinger had. Uh, and of course, you look at Bellinger last year, big bounce back year, nice numbers, not the MVP caliber numbers that we saw from him in 2019. The one alarming thing for me about Bellinger, and this is something that the Yankees have really focused on uh when it comes to the type of players that they like guys who hit the ball hard. Exit velocity and, and hard hit rate and barrel rate, and all those things that we talk about, those are things the Yankees care about. Cody Bellinger, as good as his season was last year was in the bottom 10% of the league in hard hit rate. So there was some luck involved in some of his numbers. I'm not taking away from the year he had. He had a great year. He's going to get a big contract and he's going to deserve it. But I think if the Yankees are looking at a 25-year-old Juan Soto, who in that stadium would probably hit 40 home runs, put up a 400-plus on-base percentage, and do all the things that they are sorely lacking, they've been looking for that big lefty slugger for a long time. Um... I think Soto is probably the guy they're they're more focused on. Belger is going to have a market. There are other teams that are going to be in on him. I think the Giants are a team that makes a lot of sense for him. Um, I think going back to the Cubs is a, is a possibility. So I don't think Belger is going to have any problem finding a deal. It does depend on how much Scott Boris is looking for, uh, because all the numbers that I just said, you know, that I just rattled out, teams have far more information than I do. Uh, so – you know i think it's going to be interesting to see where he where he plays out and where he ultimately lands
1: anytime you're dealing with a guy the level of soto it's difficult to make a trade because the team that is dealing him wants to win the trade or at least look like right mark perceived value if you're aj preller not to have egg on the face that somehow you win this deal because regardless of what you do it's going to be a tough sell considering where they were the day that <clears> they got soto and where that fan base would be now how much harder does it make for other teams to make a deal for Soto, where you may have to be in a spot where you've got to overpay a little bit because they don't necessarily have to deal Soto this offseason if they don't want to?
0: Well, let me take the second part first. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, their payroll was okay. up around 250. I, there's been talk about them getting it down to 200. I know they have some free agents they lost. You know, Snell and it could be gone, and Waka, and um, you know, Lugo and Hader. Soto's going to make thirty-two, let's call it thirty-two, thirty-three million dollars in arbitration this year. That's the move they're going to have to make if they really want to get this payroll down uh, in order to try to be competitive next year. Because if you keep Soto and you can't add, lost ninety starts and five hundred and something innings from those guys I just mentioned between Snell, Waka, Lugo, and Nick Martinez, who just signed with the Reds. So I, I think if you keep Soto, it's going to be really hard to replace all that pitching. Um, I think what you're going to see is not necessarily a deal like the one the Padres made to acquire Soto, where they traded away four top prospects and a couple of big league ready guys in in Gore and and uh, Abrams. I think you're going to see them look for major league young, major league ready pitching, uh, in addition to maybe a prospect, you know, a, a solid prospect. The Yankees have the, the goods to get this deal done, whether it's a Clark Schmidt or a Michael King. Drew Thorpe, who's one of their top pitching prospects, you know, maybe Spencer Jones is their number one prospect. Um, but I don't, I'm not even sure if you're going to give up King or Schmidt with Thorpe, and you throw in another pitching prospect as well. Maybe a guy like Marinaccio who's shown he can pitch effectively out of the bullpen in the big leagues at a low cost. The Padres can help restock their entire pitching staff off of this trade. They have plenty of offense. If you get Machado and Tatis and Uh, and Bogarts and Kim and Cronenworth and all these guys hitting to their potential offense shouldn't be an issue there. They're going to need to address that pitching staff. So I'm not sure that this is a deal, especially with one year left until Soto goes to free agency where you can bring in four big prospects and restock your farm system. I think this is going to be a trade they're looking at for guys who can help them in 2024.
1: When you look at the Yankees, just to stay on that for a second, Because we're going to get into Otani, and and I know a lot of that has focused on the Dodgers, clearly, at least public perception of that over the last number of months. How much pressure are on the two New York teams to to make sure that Yamamoto comes to each one? Because when I sit there and I look at it, you know, it's not like they're the only two teams involved, Mark. But there's only a handful when we're talking about the kind of money this guy's going to get, what, over $200 million and all the accolades he's coming with. But when you look at the necessity for both of these teams, just how much pressure is there right now on the two New York franchises to make sure that Yamamoto comes to them and not that other franchise trying to get that back page?
0: A lot. A lot. There's no way to to, to paint it otherwise. Um, there will be other teams involved. Uh, you know, it's funny. We talk about it, he's going to get more than $200 million compared to what we were talking about with Otani, which we'll get to shortly. 200 billion doesn't even seem like that much money uh, for one of these top free agents anymore. So uh, obviously there's some question marks. He's never pitched in the big leagues. We have no idea how he's gonna, you know, translate to the major leagues. Um, But I've talked to some scouts who who compared him, not necessarily stuff-wise, but sort of impact-wise to what Masahiro Tanaka did when he came to the Yankees a decade ago. Very successful career in Japan, 25 years old, same as Yamamoto. Uh Yamamoto obviously is a more decorated pitcher, having won the Saramora Award, their equivalent of the Cy Young the last three years, a couple MVP awards. I mean, this guy is the goods. Um he's only 5'10. There are some concerns about that. But Pedro Martinez is only 5'10 and he did pretty well himself. So uh I don't yeah. think you know if you've got the stuff and you've got the arm, you know, that that's not going to be a concern. But I think the Yankees and Mets both need them. You know, the Yankees are in a better position in terms of they have an ace. They have a guy just a unanimous Cy Young award winner. The Mets traded away the two guys they were had brought in to be their aces in Verlander and Scherzer. Uh, but both these teams, the Yankees rotation behind Cole, you know, Michael Michael King was a, a really great revelation towards the end of the year, uh, but he's never done it for a full season. Nestor Cortez had a lot of injury issues last year. Steph has gone. Carlos Rodon was a, a big disappointment in the first year of his deal. Obviously the Yankees are hoping that he will bounce back, be healthy, and – uh, deliver what they what they hoped when they Signed him but uh, yeah I think Yamamoto is a guy who both New York teams Are are certainly keen on trying to acquire
1: You know I always In a situation like with Otani I, I Try and look at it from the perspective of Okay if I'm the player and I keep coming back to Assuming the Dodgers can give At least at the height of The height if not the most money As as close to anybody else Because certainly they have that money to spend Why wouldn't he go to the Dodgers. I keep going back to that. If I could put myself in that lineup, if I don't have to move, if I'm in real Hollywood this time, no offense to the five freeway and going out to Anaheim. How do you look at the Otani situation when you try and think of somehow dot, 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 how he doesn't end up a Dodger mark.
0: I still can't really put my finger on how he doesn't end up a Dodger. Um, Here's the thing. We have no idea what he's thinking. He's never talked about it publicly. Uh, all the reports and all the people you talk to, nobody's leaking anything. The agent's not talking. Otani's not talking. You haven't seen one story about a source close to Shohei Otani said because anybody who's close to Shohei Otani isn't talking. Um, so the question is, does he is he adamant about staying on the West Coast? If he is, well, then you knock off the Cubs, you knock off the Mets, you knock off the Red Sox, uh, and anybody else who may be, you know, sort of laying in the weeds waiting to throw their hat in the ring. I you heard mean, the Braves as a team connected to him, um, I, I, you know, to me, if he's willing to go East, then I think the Red Sox will come in play. I think they're, they're in a position where, you know, in the, in the landscape of Boston sports, they have really fallen back into, let me say third place. Although you could argue that even though the Patriots are terrible, um, they uh. still occupy more of the landscape of Boston sports consciousness right now. Bruins are good. Celtics are good. The Red Sox have had a couple of bad years, A bad last place finish this year. They, they had the surprising season the year before, but they, they've had some bad lean years here. Adding a guy like Otani would juice the fan base up immediately. He likes hitting in Fenway Park, from all indications. Um, but we have no idea if the East Coast is even in play for him. So, if that's in play, then I think you have to open it up a little more. If you want to stay on the West Coast, to me, it's a Dodgers first Giants thing, and. The Dodgers have more money, uh, although the Giants have plenty of money. I mean, they they were willing to spend $400 million on Aaron Judge last year. They just couldn't get him to come. Um, they were going to spend $350 million on Correa until the physical problem happened. So to me, the Giants are the other team in Yamamoto, going back to him, who are going to be a big factor in, in in his case, because they can't come out of another winter without a big star. They can't come out of another winter without with Michael Conforto being their big signing. Um, so whether it's Yamamoto, whether it's Otani, whether it's Blake Snell, they have to add Bellinger. They have to add one of those top five free agents to me. Um, I agree with you on Otani though. He knows LA. He knows the area. If he likes it there, assuming that he does go to a team where you can yeah. hit in the top three of the lineup. With, uh, with I mean, Mookie Freeman Benson, Freeman and Freddie Freeman.
1: I mean, forget you know? it. are you kidding me? Right. But I think about so, old school, like we used to watch where it says do up at the bottom of the order. And you look at those three names and it's like, forget it.
0: Right. I mean, so, you know, to me, the Dodgers make all the sense in the world. But I also feel like every time that we say going into an offseason, well, obviously, player X is signing with Team Y. About 50% of the time, that doesn't happen. I, you know, sometimes it does. I remember my first my first offseason covering baseball, Jason Giambi was a free agent. And the A's played at the Yankees in the playoffs the year before. And we all went over to talk to Giambi. And he was sitting there. And we walked out of the clubhouse afterwards. And we're just like, it's going to be fun to cover that guy for the next seven years. And it was. <laughs> um, like, there was no brainer he was going to be a Yankee. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole, when he was a free agent, you said, well, if the Yankees are going to pay him what he wants, like, he's going to go there. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And, you know, if I had to take the Dodgers versus the field, I would still take the Dodgers. Uh, but if we're sitting in Nashville next week and all of a sudden, you know, a year ago, the Padres were the last team I thought was going to be in the mixers and the Bogarts until they gave him $280 million. So weird stuff happens in December.
1: Yeah, I just want to follow quickly on Otani because it, while the who may not be a suspenseful scenario because he may end up a Dodger very well and probably is. The how and what the contract looks like to me is is more fascinating than any Mark Free agent I can ever remember because of all the if-thens and what-if and how many of this and how much of that are you going to do and, and how many years. Is this going to be the most creativity we've ever seen put into a contract and the most incentive-laden in terms of you know almost choose your own adventure? If you're healthy and you pitch this much, here's what you'll make, and if not,
0: here's what you'll make. That part of it to me is fascinating, is it not? I think there's a good chance that everything you just said is exactly how it plays out. However, I think this contract is going to start at $500 million guaranteed.
1: That's a good place to start.
0: Whether he pitches or not. I mean, I think, (laughs) yeah, think about it this way. He's a year younger than judge was going into free agency. He's every bit the hitter that judge is. He's not the fielder. Obviously he doesn't have the, you know, the right field uh, or, or center field in judge's case also uh, to fall back on. But, Let's assume that he gets the same money judge got on an AAV, judge got nine for 360. Let's assume Otani gets 10 for 400 just for his hitting. You're going to put on at least another $100 million for what he might provide you as a pitcher. So I think 10 for 500 is kind of the starting point. Now, incentive-wise, I think there will be incentives in there. Innings pitched, et cetera. If you hit 120 innings, it'll be another 5 million. If you hit another 140 innings, it'll be another whatever it may be. That's where the creativity will come into play. I would not be surprised, and I've I've talked about this before, if there is also incentives in that contract for games finished, because I think that ultimately the best way when he gets into his let's say age thirty three, age thirty four season, to keep him healthy as a pitcher and John Smoltz route, yeah, is going to be the John Smoltz, Dennis Eckersley route of make him a closer. The way the rules are now, he can DH and then come in as a closer. That's fine. Um, and I think he could even continue hitting at that point. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of options, a lot of things. I also think there's going to be an opt-out after 2025 or 26, where he comes back in 25 as a pitcher, and if he looks every bit as good on the mound as he did this year, maybe at age 31, he says, well, you know what? I've just shown my arm is healthy again, and I'm back to being a good pitcher, and now I think I can go out and get $700 million, Maybe they do that, but I I think the options will be there. This idea that's been floated of him signing a short-term deal Ah, is the the most absurd thing I've ever heard because no matter how much you think you might be able to get in two years, if you show you're healthy, that's what the opt-out's for. There's no way you're turning down signing a guaranteed deal for 500 plus, because what if you yeah. come back in 25 as a pitcher yeah, thank and you pull you. out your elbow again? Thank
1: you. I mean, he just saw what it was like being at a deadline and I could Correct. get traded to be in a playoff team, then m- make more money out to market. Oh, and then okay. all of a sudden I can't pitch anymore and I have, have surgery, right? So, the I mean, come on.
0: Safest, the safest bet there is. Not that I'm encouraging anybody to bet, but the safest bet you could make about this contract is that there will be a full no-trade clause. He is no, never going sure. to be. No, he is never no. going to be in a situation where he has to wonder if his team is going to trade him no. again. Because no. uh, after going through what he went through at the deadline this year and the offseason last year and everything else, there will be a full no-trade clause. I don't know what the final numbers are going to look like. There will be a full no-trade clause.
1: Well, the angels I'll guarantee you, you're never gonna forget not trading him either. So that'll be something that they both can live with in different ways. Uh, let me hit you on two other things. One, you mentioned closing uh, go to hater, because I saw you just did a piece on him. And I, I sit there and I look at the marketplace and with no disrespect, and maybe you see it differently. I I know you love David Robertson and I, I love D Rob too. Look, Rollis Chapman is gonna, you know, give you a heart attack, but also gonna get a job somewhere. There are, you know, some there are some pieces. But Hater stands out on his own, right? He's kind of on an island as as the one kind of you know stop-shut-down guy, if you will. What does that do for the amount of dollars we're looking at in a Hater deal?
0: Uh, I think it gives him probably the biggest contract a closer has ever signed, a record that goes all the way back to 12 months ago uh, when Edwin Diaz signed yeah. his five-year $102 million deal with the Mets. So, you know, I would expect Hater's going to land a five-year deal in the 105 to $110 million range. To me, the most sensible match, and I wrote this in, in that story you referenced, is the Rangers. I know they just won the World Series. Um, the pressure is off of them, but they don't want this to be a one-and-done. Bruce Bochy's not coming back to, you know, now just sort of coast over the next couple of years. Uh, and as good as their bullpen pitch in the playoffs, Chapman, like you said, is a roller coaster, and he's a free agent. Uh, you know, Josh Spores was a great story in October, but he's never done it over a full year. And LeClerc had a very nice season and a great postseason. But if you can make him your eighth inning guy and put Hader in the ninth, you got a righty, a lefty. You can flip him if the if the lineup, you know, indicates that you should. Um, I just think Hader makes all the sense in the world for that team. They don't need to make any of the huge, you know, they don't need to go sign Otani. They, they've they spent their money on Seager, on Semyon. Uh, they've got Scherzer back for, you know, $40 million next year. They've got DeGrom coming back. So you don't really need to go after the rotation. Maybe you try to re-sign Jordan Montgomery. But to me, Hayter is the the guy who I think would really give them a good shot to repeat in the ALS next year. Um, and I think it's going to take, you know, like I said, about one hundred and five, $110 million to get him.
1: I want to ask one last one because in the – Uh, the Cardinal way, they kind of lost their way last year, clearly, and lost a lot of games too. And you go back to the time from John Bozalak as GM or as president, there are a lot of moves that have not gone well, and there's a lot of egg on the face and different things. But I actually think they deserve some credit for what they've done so far because you look at a guy who comes out and (coughs) says, hey, look, we got to get three starters, right? We need three starting pitchers. And what he doesn't say in that, what we know is you're behind even Mets, certainly Yankees, Cubs, and Rangers, and how many other teams in terms of as a spot to go to, even though it's St. Louis, because of who you are right now. I know Lance Lynn's going to give up some homers, the numbers weren't great, and Kyle Gibson's going to have some base runners, but they are innings guys. And then when they kind of package that with Sonny Gray at the front end, who is one of the best players available, whether he's unheralded still for whatever reason or not, he just finished second in Cy Young, that's a pretty darn good start for a Cardinal team that I don't think many people thought would make any impact this off season.
0: Do you read it the same way? Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say this the other day and I thought it was interesting that if they had signed Sonny Gray first, yes, uh, gone out, got the ace and then said, all right, now we're going to sign Kyle Gibson. Now we're going to sign Lance Lynn. The Lynn and Gibson signings led a lot of people to go, really this, this is your answer for, you know, for coming back from this terrible season and needing to refill your rotation. You're going to go sign 36 year old Lance Lynn, who was, you know, yeah, giving up home runs in historic rates last Brutal. year. And Kyle yeah. Gibson, who, you know, was, was perfectly fine. And if he's your number four starter, that's great. But this is not the answer. Then they went and signed Sonny Gray. And it was like, ah, okay, now it's starting to come together. And you start seeing what they're doing. Um, look, pitching is expensive, right? We I mean, we just told Luis Seferito Severino, get $13 million off of the worst year of his career. The highest ERA in the league for any qualified starter, I think, last year. So pitching is expensive. They went out and signed Gray, who, uh, you know, to me, if you can sign Sonny Gray to three for 75 yeah. or Blake Snell to six for 175 or whatever Breach. the number is going to be.
1: Yes.
0: Sonny Gray. I mean, he's yes. 33, 34 years old, but we yes. were talking about it before. Term, term, term. Yes. Three years. You're not, you know, you're not committing to a guy to 38, 39 years old. You're not committing to a guy for six years where, uh, you know, you, you're going to experience ups and downs. I mean, Gray. Look, I know having covered him in New York, he had a very tough time in New York. And I think that's clouded people's opinion of who he is. He was great in Minnesota the last couple of years. He was oh, really fantastic. good in Cincinnati. You in know, Oakland. before yeah, he went to sure. the Yankees in Oakland, he was really yeah. good. Like the Yankee, the Yankee experience clouds people's opinion of him, I think, um, because so much was made of how he did not pitch well there. I think it's a really good signing for St. Louis. I like the Gibson signing. I actually, you know, last year when the orioles were sort of in the market for the first time in several years uh i was banging the drums that they should sign nathan Evaldi. i thought that was the guy who would really work with that staff lead the young staff he's got postseason pedigree and they signed gibson instead and i was like okay i didn't think it was going to be um the move you needed to make to make the 20-win jump that they made all credit to them. They're, they're, their lineup is young and impressive, and um, I'd like to see them go out and make a, a, a signing of one of the bigger starters this offseason because I think the Orioles need that guy. You know, Braddish had a great year. Grayson Rodriguez had a nice second half. They need that veteran guy at the top. You know, how much different would it look for them last year with, with Evaldi taking the ball in game one mm-hmm. uh, of a playoff series? So, uh, uh, um, you know, Gray was a guy that I had looked at as maybe being that guy for Baltimore. The Cardinals jumped in. They were aggressive. Well, a lot of other teams are sort of lying back waiting to see what happens with Yamamoto, what happens with this guy, what happens with that guy. The Cardinals targeted their guys, went and got them, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. One thing I wanted to go back to real quick. Yeah, um, go ahead. When you were talking about the Soto thing before and how you know, yeah. the Padres have to win the trade, this situation reminds me a lot of the Mookie Betts situation in Boston where Hayan Bloom came in. It was the worst-kept secret in baseball that the Red Sox had to trade him. They wanted to get their payroll down under $200 million. Everybody knew that they were going to trade bets. They did not get a good deal back for him, right? We we look at the guys they got back now, Verdugo, who's been a perfectly serviceable player. The prospects they got never panned out. Um, and it ended up being a pretty bad deal, but they were in a spot where the whole league knew they had to trade bets. So they weren't- No leverage.
1: The no kinds of
0: offers that people would have said you should get for a guy like Mookie Betts with one year left. The Padres might be in the same situation with Soto. They might be fortunate that the Yankees might be desperate enough to add him that they'd be willing to give up a Clark Schmidt or a Mike King with Drew Thorpe and another prospect or two. But, you know, the idea that that A.J. Preller sitting up there with Juan Soto in his hand and saying, come and get him, boys. That's, that's not the position you're in when everybody in the league thinks you have to trade this guy.
1: Yeah, I uh, all, all all I know is that uh, at some point we're going to have to figure out if if my Giants beat your commanders X amount of times in a row. Cause I remember you had the bet real quickly years ago. I don't remember who it's with, but I remember being in a winter meetings and you it's
0: Jesse being Sanchez.
1: very, yes, very afraid of our of our uh, old colleague and good friend Jesse Sanchez with the cowboy jersey you had to wear right? Yeah, so I had,
0: to, I had to make that my Facebook profile picture for like a month. <laughs> it was me in a Des Bryant jersey and a cowboy hat. Oh, oh of all was, people
1: too. It was, too. well, it was oh, the only geez. one that they
0: had at Models when I, I of course I wasn't going to buy it. Oh, I, went, I, literally went and, nice. I went into Models with my son. I put the jersey on, I put the hat <laughs> on, I said, here's my phone, take a picture. And I think my face was something oh. like, you know, just like I can't believe I'm wearing a Cowboys jersey. Jesse still sends me screenshots of that picture at least once or twice a year Uh, after the Thanksgiving beating. uh, uh, I was just going back to focus on Hurricanes football instead of, uh, although that hasn't been a treat either this year. So, you know, at least they're bowl eligible. First year as a Hurricanes fan, my son's there. So, uh, you know, hopefully they'll go to a bowl and we'll get to experience a fun bowl game.
1: Uh, everybody else goes to a bowl. You might as well. Uh, Mark, appreciate exactly. you, man. Thank you for doing the safe travels to Nashville, my friend. Thank well, you,
0: Casey. When you when you go to Boston University, college football is not exactly a thing you get to deal with. So, well, no, and I'm they just and I they disbanded.
1: The, hey, they disbanded the football team the year I, after I was there. I saw the last Glenn Foley, former Jets quarterback. His younger brother was the quarterback last time okay. they ever
0: had a football team. I, I was I graduated in '96, so. We yeah. came back for homecoming weekend in 97 <laughs> and that was the weekend they announced they were yeah. getting rid of the football yeah. team. Yeah. And the yeah. remember the players yeah. had X's taped yeah. Over the Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nickerson so, field. Of course. Are you kidding? So it's, it's nice at least to, uh, you know, be able to turn on ESPN and watch, uh, watch my son's school playing in, in uh, meaningful football games.
1: And we had college hockey. So at least there's that appreciate you safe travels to Nashville, my friend. Thank you. Thanks buddy. Unfiltered, is always, brought to you by our good friends at Best. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.